Hi, I'm director Norman Buckley, and you're listening to Chuck versus the podcast. Hi, my name is Graham Jones, but you can call me Gray. This is my show. It's about Chuck. It's filled with interviews, the latest news, crazy co-hosts, and spoilers that'll make your day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I host these TV nights. They used to be pretty boring, but everything changed when I found NBC's new show, Chuck. Pretty soon, my TV night got pretty crowded. Guys I didn't even know were showing up the door. Big important guys. Really scary, nasty, get killed for hosting them guys. Next thing I know, these super episodes are downloaded into my brain. Which means every moment of my life, I'm thinking about Chuck. ChuckTV.net sent their top people to protect me. That's Mel and Liz. They're pretty zany. They co-host with me now as a cover. So now I must welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast. The first and only podcast for NBC's Chuck. This is Mel. And this is Liz. Welcome to Chuck versus the Podcast, Episode 17, for Friday, March 13th, 2009. This week, we're excited to bring you Gray's interview with editor and director Norman Buckley. And we'll be bringing you full commentary about the MI6 arc in our next podcast. But we wanted to just quickly draw your attention to a couple of news items this week. So we're going to do that before we head on into the interview. First, NBC will be rerunning Chuck versus the Seduction, which was episode uh, 2.02, on Monday, March 16th. The next new episode of Chuck will be Chuck versus the Predator, and that's not going to air until March 23rd. So we have a tiny break there before we get a new episode. Again. Again. We also wanted to mention that NBC has an interactive version of Chuck's chart from the very end of Chuck versus the Lethal Weapon posted at NBC.com slash Chuck. And they also have some of that massive Morgan nuptial document that Morgan presented to Anna. So there's lots of good stuff over at NBC.com slash Chuck to keep us busy while we're waiting for that new episode. And in Norman's interview, you'll hear him mention his work on a new web series called Rockville CA. That series debuts on the WB.com on Tuesday, March 17th, and is another brainchild of Chuck co-creator Josh Schwartz. The series is a contemporary music-themed romantic comedy set in a fictional rock club in Los Angeles, featuring lots of great music woven into the story about a group of 20-somethings who gather regularly to hear their favorite up-and-coming bands. They blow off steam, they fall in love with the wrong people, and they talk about how they fall in love with the wrong people, yada, yada. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like something that's going to be kind of fun to watch, but it's Josh Schwartz, so what's not to love? Exactly. So that web series, again, debuts on the WB.com on Tuesday, March 17th, and you can find more information about it at either the WDB.com or we'll have a feature about it at ChuckTV.net on Monday, March 16th. So uh, we're going to head on into the interview uh, real quick, though. Just a reminder that you can email us with your questions and comments at mail at checkpodcast.com. Please be sure to mention the city and country where you're emailing from. And you are welcome to send in photos if you want to appear in the podcast, but make sure you have permission from everyone in the photo to uh, be published out on the web. You can also leave an audio comment or question on my voicemail. It's 310-594-3755. And we look forward to hearing from you. Let's head on into Gray's interview with Norman Buckley, editor and director extraordinaire. This is Gray with Chuck versus the podcast, and I'm here with award-winning editor and director Norman Buckley. 
How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks. I really appreciate you taking this call. I'm sure the fans are going to love hearing what you have to say about Chuck, and, and more than Chuck, just about the other things that you're doing. So I guess we'll wind way back. You're from Texas. That's right, Fort Worth. And uh, you studied history at the University of Texas at Arlington. And what was your career goal at the time? I didn't really have a career goal at the time. I think that um, I was studying history because I couldn't decide what else to study. I had gotten to the point where I was about to do my major specialized research and I was talking with my mom one day, and she said, well, if you could do anything that you wanted to do, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd really work in the uh, film industry. And she said, well, then you should go to film school. And it was just like a light turned on, and I had never before that moment thought that that was even a possibility. And so I applied to the University of Southern California and was accepted and transferred out in the, at the beginning of my junior year. Great. You had a sister who was very successful already at that point, Betty? Yes, uh -huh. my sister uh, was the lead on the television series 8 is Enough. The fun part of my story is that I came out to go to school at USC while she was shooting the series, and she was based in New York, and, and so whenever she was shooting the series, she would stay at the Chateau Marmont, which is a very famous old Hollywood hotel where a lot of actors and actresses have stayed over the years. And she thought that she would be buying a house, and so she said, I'll just put you up here at the hotel until I get a house. And so for my first six months in Hollywood, I lived at the uh, Chateau Marmont. Wow. And uh, was going to school every day at USC. She never bought a house, so after about six months, I moved down near the campus because I realized that I was probably exploiting a, a really good situation, but I had a bungalow on Sunset Boulevard and entertained all my friends from USC at the hotel. <laughs> wow. Wow, you must have been popular. <laughs> it was pretty wild. I've got many, many stories about that, but I guess that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now at USC, you went there primarily to study writing. Is, is that true? Well, I think that... When I decided to go to film school, my thought was that I would be a writer, but as soon as I got to, to school, I realized that everyone wanted to be a writer, mm -hmm. but everyone developed a craft as well, because at USC, the way the film school is structured, people work in teams, and uh, I am a very middle-class kid, and USC is a very rich kid kind of school, mm -hmm. a very expensive uh, private institution, so I... Uh, had to work three part-time jobs just to make spending money. So editing was something I kind of fell into accidentally because it was the one job I could do on a film crew that didn't require my having to adjust my schedule around the schedule of my fellow students. And I also took to it like a duck to water. I just intrinsically understood the nature of editing. It somehow just came to me very intuitively. Mm-hmm. And so from there, uh, how did you break in? Well, I graduated from the film school in 1980, went back to Texas, went back to Fort Worth, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. I was working in the industrial film unit at a, at a corporation in Fort Worth. My sister was in a movie, Tender Mercies, which was shot near my hometown in Waxahachie, Texas. Mm -hmm. She came to town to shoot the movie. She happened to hear, just accidentally, that the 
editor was looking for a local assistant. She knew that I'd done a lot of editing in college. She suggested me. So I called in sick to work. I went over and met with the editor, and he said he just needed someone for the six weeks in in Texas while they were shooting the film. And I said, well, if I do this job, I would really like for you to consider taking me with you to New York because I'm looking for a way to break into the industry. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you do a good job, I will. So that's how I broke into the editing business. Wow. Great movie to start on. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a great movie to start on. And there were a number of films at that particular time being shot in Texas. And I developed a reputation for being someone that they could hire locally and who could also work in New York, who was a good assistant. So I worked on a, a series of films. I worked on Tinder Mercies and Silkwood and Places in the Heart, which were all shot in the same general area of Texas. I worked on those films during production and then would go back up to New York mm -hmm. for the post-production. Of course, When Harry Met Sally was shot in New York. Was that also posted in uh, New York? That was posted in New York. That was a film that I uh, knew the editor who had worked a lot with Rob Reiner, and he needed an assistant who could work in New York. And so I went back to New York. I was living in L.A. at the time. Mm -hmm. I went back to New York so that I could assist him there. And then it was pretty soon after that you got your first full editing gig. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of the whole timetable. Back then it was a much different experience than it is now, making the jump from assistant to cutting because everything was still cut on film mm -hmm. at that time. I was uh, fortunate in that I uh, was asked to work as an assistant on a film called Triumph of the Spirit, which mm -hmm. was shot in Poland. It was a film with Edward James Olmos and Willem Dafoe about Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. And um, I went over to Poland for three months, and the editor very graciously allowed me to cut large sequences of that film and, and gave me an additional editing credit. So wow. that, was, that was my first editing credit. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you did quite a few movies uh, for both the big and small screens. Now, I mean, the process was, I imagine, similar because uh, things were cut. Even for TV, they were cut on film at that time. I didn't really start working in, in uh, television until most of the editing work had moved over to being cut on computer, mm -hmm. uh, specifically the Avid software. I saw that happening in the early 90s. I, just, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw that the Avid was being used for commercials, and it made sense to me that it would very quickly become used for feature films. So I actually um, became proficient on the Avid long before many editors in town did. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of films uh, for Roger Corman's company, and they bought some Avids, and they called me and asked me if I knew how to use it, and I told them I did, even though I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I just learned on as I went, learned on, on the fly. The uh, great thing about that was that I was able to cut a number of films because the Roger Corman films were all very fast and furious. I was able to cut a number of films very quickly mm -hmm. and, and uh, was able to become quite proficient on the Avid. I didn't start cutting in television until the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And by that point, everything had, had transferred over to computer. Yeah, It's a much more efficient way to cut. Yeah, oh, for sure. You were doing TV movies or, or were you already doing series work at that time? I did mostly, during the 90s, I did mostly TV movies, cable movies, not even TV movies. I didn't do any commercial films. I did mostly uh, cable movies and, and low-budget features. A lot of my films were at the Sundance Film Festival. I did a lot of films for Showtime. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of films that were uh, independently financed and disappeared without a trace, basically. But I did a lot of films. And I also did a lot of recutting on films. And probably most significantly, I 
was brought in to do a recut on um, the movie Happy Texas, mm-hmm. uh, and and that ended up selling at Sundance for ten million dollars, which was the most that had been paid for a film up to that time at Sundance. Wow! And that really established me within a circle of people as somebody who knew how to come in and work on projects that needed help and mm-hmm. and and get them to the point where they could be sold. So there was a period of time where I did a lot of recutting on a lot of films, mm-hmm. and that got my profile up such that certain people knew who I was. And then uh, a guy named Perry Huseman, who was a production manager, he was the one who first brought me into television. He, he brought me onto a pilot called Witchblade, mm-hmm. which was a Warner Brothers pilot. I cut that pilot, and then I cut a, a number of other pilots for Warner Brothers, all of which were picked up, even if the series didn't eventually go, they were all picked up to series. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got a reputation as being someone who, who was very good at being able to get pilots cut and then picked up a series. Well, that's that's very good because there's a lot more pilots made than actually make it to series. <laughs> I've been very fortunate. I've so far been batting a thousand percent. Wow. You know, knock on wood. Yeah, that's like lightning striking in a lot of circles. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> And then... From that point, you you really started moving more and more towards series work. Yes, I started working pretty much exclusively in television uh, at the point that I met um, McGee and um, Stephanie Savage on Fastlane. Mm-hmm. I cut the uh, pilot of Fastlane, and McGee asked me to stay on with the series, which I did. And then when the OC came up, Stephanie Savage asked me to come in and meet Josh. McGee was originally supposed to direct the pilot of the OC. Mm-hmm. And he fell out at the last minute because of his commitments on Charlie's Angels 2, mm-hmm. and Doug Lyman came in. So my relationship with McGee, and, and then even more specifically than that, my relationship with Stephanie Savage led to my relationship with Josh. And I've been working pretty much with them regularly ever since. Mm-hmm. Love the OC, by the way. Great, great work on that. Well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah I, I love the OC too. It was a great job. It, I was with it all four years. I edited for the first three years. I started directing in the second year. I directed in the third year, and I only directed in the fourth year mm-hmm. of the series. Yeah. So uh, tell us about when you first started directing. Um, had you wanted to direct for a while? It wasn't some grand plan I had. I'm very much a believer in that life shows you where to go next. I did not particularly want to work in television series work. It's very hard, television. It's It's a very undersung occupation for any of the crafts on television because the work is so fast. Mm -hmm. Unlike a feature, you have just a fraction of the time to get the episode together. And I think that television DPs, television production designers, television editors, anybody who works in television are the undersung heroes of the entertainment business because it's such a, a relentless grind. It just feels like you're just working, working, working. And every time you think you can come up for air, there's another um, Mack truck hurtling at you. Yeah. To mix a a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it's just extremely, extremely difficult to keep up the energy to, and in the first season of the OC, we did 27 episodes. Wow. And it was myself and one other editor. So I was cutting practically every other episode. And so at the point that I made my deal on the OC, I told them that I would be, they asked me if I would be interested in doing the series, and I told them that I would only be interested in doing the series if they would let me start to direct. And it was really, it was just kind of a, 
an afterthought. I had a very vague idea of wanting to direct some time, but I, I certainly wasn't making some conscientious pursuit of directing. But when it came time to decide if I was going to stay on a television series as an editor, I really only wanted to do it if there was something more in it. Mm-hmm. So that became part of my deal. Yeah. The thing I love about working with Josh and Stephanie is they're very loyal and they're very um, true to their word. Mm-hmm. And so I started directing uh, in the second season just as they said I would. Great. And uh, they have actually pulled a lot of the people from the OC onto Chuck. But on to Chuck, um, when did you actually hear about Chuck? When you, what, you were still working on the OC, maybe fourth season at that time? The fourth season I was just directing on the OC and Josh and Stephanie had two pilots going. One of them was Gossip Girl and one of them was Chuck. Mm-hmm. And Josh called me and asked me if I would read the... He knew that I was, really wanted to pursue a directing career, but he asked me Initially, my, my directing opportunities were limited and, and somewhat far between, so he asked me if I would be interested in cutting the pilot. And also, since I'd worked with McG before, it seemed to make sense. Mm-hmm. So I told him that I would. Great. And you ended up winning an Eddie Award from the American Cinema Editors Association for the editing of the pilot. Congratulations on that. Thank you. How did that feel to win that? I was very happy about it. I I definitely felt like that the uh, editing on the pilot was something that I was proud of. Yeah, I was pleased. Yeah. Not much more to say about it than that. (laughs) I was definitely pleased. It was nice that it was recognized. And I think it is a very hard kind of show to pull off the mixture of the action and the comedy and the human drama. We worked very, very hard on the pilot, so I, I felt like if I was going to win an award for something, it might as well be that pilot. <laughs> yeah. Well, particularly because Chuck is is very unique. A lot of people have said that, that there's really not anything like it out there right now. What would you say were your models, I guess? I mean, people have said it was a cross between Get Smart and The Office. I was told more when I was brought on that, that we were going for The Office meets the born identity. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that those were definitely my initial models. I think the mixture of tone is the the hardest thing about it, mm-hmm. how far to push the the goofy factor versus you know how far you can push that before you start to lose people's investment in the suspense. Certainly in the pilot, that was a constant uh, balancing act. Well, you, you did a great, great job. And, and definitely, even though you only did, I guess, the pilot and then the second episode, which is kind of setting, resetting uh, for the rest of the series, but it seems like the other editors have really continued on on what you started there and and, uh, and kept that tone going. Well, two of the editors on the series are former assistants of mine. The um, guy that assisted me on the pilot, and actually he, he cut sequences of the pilot as a guy named Matt Barber, mm-hmm. and he moved right on to the series as one of the editors. And then Jeff Granzo was assistant. He was my main assistant for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So he and I had worked very, very well together, and he actually cut the episode of uh, Chuck that I directed earlier this season. Mm-hmm. You actually have a reputation for raising people up like that. Uh, you did the same thing on the OC. You let some of the assistant editors cut episodes, and, and your co-editor was somebody that had been your assistant on a previous film. And even uh, Tim Jones... The composer for Chuck credits you for getting him onto the series. And also, actually, uh, you teach at UCLA. Is, is this a big thing for you, really helping others up around you? Well, I, I, you know, I think that it's important to pass on what you know, certainly. And I believe that you learn as much from the people that you're trying to teach as they learn from you. 
So certainly, yeah, I think it's important. I'm a big believer in working hard to promote those who have given me their service. And I certainly feel that I have a facility to teach and I'm glad that the students seem to respond. And so I'm, I'm, I really enjoy teaching and, you know, eventually would like to do it full time when I get tired of, you know, the rat race of the entertainment business. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's very important to me that all of my assistants are, uh, given the opportunity, I feel like if they're going to apprentice under me for a period of time, that I can certainly do my very best to make sure they get a shot. I worked uh, for a long time with a with an assistant uh, named Jeff McAvoy, who's gone on to cut a number of feature films and various projects, and he just has recently been working with me again on the on the uh, Rockville web series that I'm mm-hmm. doing for Josh. Then Matt Ramsey uh, was my assistant for a really long time, and he became my co-editor on both, he was my assistant on the pilot of Fastlane. Mm-hmm. I made it a part of my deal that he would become one of the editors on Fastlane. And then when I went over to the OC, I insisted that he be my co-editor. So the two of us cut the entire first season on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started promoting our various assistants up. So Tim Good, who was one of our assistants on the OC, is now one of the editors on Gossip Girl. Jeff Granzo and Matt Barber, both started editing episodes. Well, they all, three, all three of them started editing episodes of the OC, and then they all three are now editing on Gossip Girl and Chuck. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy about that. Very good of you. Too bad there aren't more people <laughs> like you around. Well, I think there's a number of people around like that. I just think I happen to be in a very good situation with Josh such that I'm able to, to really uh, make sure that that happens and that Josh trusts me a lot in terms of my backing certain people. But, I mean, the guys proved themselves. I mean, they, they did the work. You know, mm-hmm. they did the work to prove themselves. So, I mean, as much as I'd like to take credit for, yes, I, I helped promote their career, they had the, the chops to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to answer this one thing. Regarding the Chuck pilot episode, your trip to Paris and your cat were in the episode. <laughs> Tell us about well, that. Well, the mind flashes were a concept that we were still trying to figure out in the pilot. And there was no footage that was specifically shot. I mean, now it's a, it's a, it's a very organized part of the pre-production process, but at the time, there was a lot of debate about what these mind flashes actually were that Chuck has and what information was in them. And, and the original idea, which is still there uh, to some extent, was that each, the, all of the information that is in the inter, intersect is has all been encoded in certain images that were basically just generic images, like an image of a flower or an image of a statue or an image of an American flag, just just some random image that the all the information about the various cases is encoded in, in into that image. Mm-hmm. But we only had a, a certain stock budget, so we, there was only so much stock we could buy. And so one of the things that we did during the pilot was ask everyone to bring in their family photos and their vacation photos and whatever photos they had, and we got everyone to sign a release, and then we used those to build this idea. Uh, and so if you notice at the at the front and end of every mind flash, there's, mm-hmm. there's like a generic image. It might be of a buffalo or it might be of a of um, Indian teepee or 
you know, mm-hmm. my dog is in my episode that I directed earlier this season. The the dog I had for 15 years, her picture is is in there. Was that the one, the dog in a Christmas outfit? No, that dog belongs to one of the other editors. Okay. But uh, my dog was in the uh, Tom Sawyer episode. She's mm-hmm. a little fox. She was a little fox terrier and. The, so what happened was we were just looking for images, and I had one picture that was from Paris that actually felt like it fit into the episode as it could be the surveillance photo of the Serbian bomber. And then mm-hmm. my cat's picture it was actually, I can't remember if my cat's picture was in the, the pilot or the first episode. It might have been in both, but that's what that is. We just There's a lot of random images in there that are not only my pictures, but pictures of the crew and their families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you've you've been pretty vocal before about how much you enjoy working with Josh Schwartz. So can you talk about that relationship a little bit? Josh, I just think is a real brilliant guy, and uh, we just seem to have bonded really early on in the process of working on the OC. Uh, Stephanie brought me in to meet him before we shot the OC because it was. I I wanted to make sure that I was able to meet the writer of the show and that he and I would have an energy that would be productive to a good working relationship because uh, I am an editor that has a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas. Uh, I would say that Josh and I just really get each other. He gets what I do and I get what he does and and we've had a very, very productive working relationship. He spent a lot of time in the editing room on the OC. He spent a lot of time in the editing room on the Chuck Pilot. I know what it is that he responds to. I, I think I probably know his sensibility and his aesthetic as well as anyone. And I am very grateful for the opportunities that he's given me. Mm-hmm. We um, uh, have a great collaboration. I've worked on all of his projects uh, that you know I've, uh, since the OC. I've I, I direct Gossip Girl more than uh, I do any other show. And and uh, and then as I said, I also have just directed. 20 episodes of this uh, new web series that he's doing. Mm-hmm. So um, I am um, uh, will be eternally grateful to him. I am very personally fond of him and professionally just uh, really enjoy our collaboration. Yeah. And, and I, I feel the same about Stephanie. I think that uh, Stephanie Savage is um, just an extraordinary person and, and an extraordinary talent and a great collaborator. And, and both of them have just really invested a lot of time and energy and helping me succeed, which I'll be eternally grateful for. Mm-hmm. And now, now that you're directing, you're pretty busy. You've you've done some not just Chuck and Gossip Girl uh, in the web series, but also 90210 and and Privileged. Um, how do you manage directing for so many shows, especially the ones where you come in cold? I know with Chuck, you you were there in the beginning creating the story, but how do you how can you come into something where you're you're not as familiar with the story? Well, it's a, it's a, it's basically the way the television directing is done. Most directors come in and and uh, you know there's a what they call a tone meeting where you talk about the tone of the show. And I think it's a a situation where you can't come in with a a lot of ego or desire to rest things a certain to 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 your liking or a certain way, but to really just listen and understand what people are looking for, what it is that they want to see. I've been very, very, very lucky in terms of the shows that I've worked on so far, not just the ones you mentioned, but Mm -hmm. um, Greek and um, The Middleman. And and in each one of those, I was... um, Well, The Middleman, I actually cut the pilot for, too. It's a show that was on ABC Family. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, 
only lasted 12 episodes, but it was a wonderful, wonderful creative experience. And um, the, the director of that pilot, uh, Jeremiah Chichek, is, is also doing an episode of Chuck that I think he just finished directing. It's just a, a situation where you, you, um, you bring yourself to the table to try to understand what, it is, what the vision is that's being expressed by the writers. And, and um, you try to bring the, the values that you have from your own aesthetic to, to that vision. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually certainly enjoy working with people that I know the most, but I think it's been very good for me to learn to be flexible, just to walk into a situation and have to uh, wing it, so mm-hmm. to speak. And I, I imagine your experience as an editor helps you greatly in the directing department. Well, it does. I think that uh, I'm probably a better director than than a lot of directors just by virtue of the fact that I'm a very efficient director. I know what I need and I know how to, to achieve the maximum impact. Uh, because I've worked with some of the best directors in the business over the years. I've had an extraordinary career in, in the sense that I've, I've, I've really uh, seen up close some of the great film directors and, and then also uh, some of the great TV directors. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been very fortunate in that regard. But editing is about knowing where the psychological line of the story is and knowing where you want to have the camera in order to achieve the most emotional impact. And so certainly editing prepared me for that very, very well. And I'm consequently a very fast director. Mm-hmm. I, I can get a lot of coverage very quickly because I know when I've got it. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of directors struggle to get a perfect take. I don't care about getting a perfect take. All I care about is making sure that I have enough moments from a variety of takes such that I can put the scene together. And because as I'm shooting, I'm cutting in my head, I know uh, when I've got it, so I can mm-hmm. quickly get it and move on. And conversely, when uh, particularly talking about the OC, when you had started directing and then went back to editing, do you find that it informs the editing as well that you've directed? Uh, yes, I think that one of the things that I used to do before I was directing is complain about what I wasn't getting from various directors, but understanding what the pressures are of the set and how many different factors are at work it's kind of amazing to me that anything ever gets done <laughs> there's just so many things that can go wrong or or go right but it gave me a lot more uh, empathy for the directors that i'd worked with yeah well i was gonna ask for the novice if you would take us through the editing process of one episode sure i can i can do that but which one are you talking about uh, particularly for the chuck pilot just because uh, this is the chuck podcast I can tell you, I can tell you one of the interesting things about the Chuck pilot mm-hmm. is that there was a whole additional storyline that we cut out in its entirety. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a there was a storyline about a girl who was a neighbor of Chuck's. Was it Kyla? Her name? Kayla. Oh, Kayla. Kayla. Mm-hmm. She was um, a girl that he was kind of pining after, and she worked at the club where he takes Sarah, the the music club, and then he sees her at the end, and she has a a different point of view about him because of the adventures of the pilot. And it was a storyline that, you know, I always felt really bad about it because we cut out the, the actress who played Kayla was, you know, she was good. And I thought that the scenes themselves played very, very well. But it just became apparent as we were moving towards finishing the pilot that the structure wasn't working and it just was too complicated. There were too many emotional lines. There was this idea that Chuck was pining over this old girlfriend, Jill, 
but then he was also interested in this neighbor, Kayla, and yet there was this uh, undercover CIA agent, Sarah, and it just became one storyline too many. And so right towards, it was very close to the end of the process, actually, we just suddenly realized that um, we didn't need the the whole storyline with Kayla Mm. and just cut out every reference to it. And, you know, sad. I'm sure that the, must have been a crushing blow for the young actress who played that character. Uh, and it was nothing to do with her. I mean, she was perfectly fine and, and, and quite beautiful. But the, the storyline didn't fit. And um, as soon as we took it out, just everything became much more clarified. It became much more than about a guy who never let go of his pining for his old girlfriend. And then he's confronted with a new girl who he thinks is interested in him, but who is actually an undercover CIA agent. It just really made the story fly. And uh, that was uh, something that happened right down at the very end of the um, editing process. Well, good instinct. Yeah, it was uh, just something that happens by continuing to think about it and continuing to focus on what's what's um, not working. One of the problems I have with working in network television is the schedules are so fast sometimes that you don't Mm. have time for reflection. You don't have time to go back and really figure out what's not working. And a lot of these uh, HBO shows that everybody likes so much, uh, they have the luxury of longer schedules, but the network shows are on very, very tight turnarounds. and, And so you don't have the time often to reflect in the same way that you do when you're working on a feature or even when you're working on a pilot. The uh, other aspect of the pilot that changed a lot over time was there was a lot more in the original cut of the pilot of the rest of the nerd herd, and all of those characters had more establishing vignettes, but the decision was made to trim them down to almost nothing because there would be plenty of time to get to that as the series unfolded. Mm. So there's a lot more with Lester and Jeff and Anna in the um, first cut of the pilot. Mm. Trying to think of anything else. The music was a big issue. We really spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the musical template would be like. Tried a lot of different songs and score, uh, trying to come up with what ultimately would be the sound of the show. Mm-hmm. Which is a huge deal for Josh. I know he uh, he's really involved in the music, and you've got one of the best supervisors in the business, uh, Alexandra Patsavas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what's coming next for you? You mentioned a little bit about wanting to teach more. Well, eventually. I mean, I'm still hoping to have another few good years in the business. Um, yeah. But I do, I do teach at UCLA uh, when I have the time, but I'm having less and less time as my um, directing schedule fills up more and more. I do have this new uh, web series that Josh um, created called uh, Rockville CA, which is premiering on the WB.com in March. Mm-hmm. This is a bad comparison, but it's kind of if you set a whole series in the bait shop of the OC, but it's a, a very cool music club venue set in Echo Park. We have a lot of different bands and it's an ongoing storyline. The, the episodes are four to eight minutes long. There were, there's 20 of them. So uh, it's very gratified. Josh asked me to direct that. So I did that earlier this fall. So that's premiering in March. I'm prepping now, directing episode 20 of the second season of Chuck, mm-hmm. which I'm doing right, right now as we speak. And then I will be directing the finale of Gossip Girl. So great. That's what's on 
the burner presently. We'll look for those projects. That's Rockville CA, you said? Yeah, it's Rockville CA. And they find that at? The WB.com. The WB.com. Great. Yeah, I think it's, there's already a trailer up for it. You should check out. And then um, the webisodes themselves start premiering, I think. The date is March 17th. Mm-hmm. But if you go on the WB.com, there's plenty of promotion about it already. We'll definitely look for those. And do you have any other projects we can promote for you? Well, I... Um, I think that's about it. That's 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 all my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very full life I have. I I really enjoy it. I'm grateful that I've been able to do you know, and just telling that story about when I was majoring in history and talking to my mom all those years ago. It's kind of a a wonderful thing to be able to look back at this midpoint of my life and be able to say I've, I've really gotten to do what I wanted to do. You know, very grateful that I've had the chance to work on things that seem to inspire the imaginations of a lot of people. Well, that's a great place to end up. We uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah. We look forward to your many great works in the future. We'll, we'll definitely look for your name. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your interest. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.